Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 78. Today, we're going to continue our journey through the building of the Second Temple as it was dedicated in 516, 515, but it was in a continuous state over the next coming centuries of repair, of expansion, of remodeling, of renovation. And so as we go through these different stages, I want to help, if I can, to paint a picture for you. Those of you who have gone with me to Israel, this is going to be a refresher for you, and it's going to bring back a lot of memories, and I will share some things that perhaps you did not know or see. And for those of you who have not gone, I just have to do the best I can to give you word pictures. I would love to be able to have the graphics up in front of you so you can see them, but we just cannot do that by way of uh, an audio podcast, and so I'm going to do the best I can. But uh, last time we were together, I talked to you about the Second Temple and the different periods and about uh, Hanukkah and uh, when the Hasmoneans came in, this Hasmonean dynasty expanded the temple because they had a hundred years of pretty much uh, autonomous rule where the Jews were in control and they expanded their territory and God so gave them freedom to do this. And then the Romans came in in 63, Pompey came in and uh, everything changed. And so the paving of the way for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, years later. But in 20 B.C., Herod started expanding the temple. Now, Herod the Great was known as the Great and is called that by historians, not because of his military prowess and genius, as was Alexander, the Greek that we talked about in an earlier podcast. But Herod the Great was called that for his great building feats. He was a tremendous visionary, and with all of his hang-ups and his paranoia and schizophrenia and and his wickedness to the core, he was a genius when it came to building, and he was able to get around him engineers that helped him to bring his dreams to pass. All one has to do is go to Caesarea Maritime and see the beautiful city that he built. It is phenomenal. That's the only word that I can say to you. The port city there where hydraulic concrete was used for the very first time we know of in building at Caesarea Maritime, that beautiful port city. And when you go there, it's still breathtaking to see it. And all the things that Rome had with the Hippodrome and with the theater and with all of the accoutrement of wealth, it was there. And when you go to Masada, you can see what he did and the engineering feat that it was. When you go to Herodium and you see near Bethlehem uh, what Herod built, it is amazing. It staggers the imagination and how they used arches and all of the engineers. I've taken architectural engineers with me, structural engineers to Israel, and they are amazed. And, and that's a different level of amazement because they've studied this. Some of the great architects of our nation 
nation have studied this and have been amazed when they see what was accomplished 2,000 years ago. And much of that is the proof that's in the pudding. Uh, Much of that is still standing today in spite of the Roman Empire and the iron fist of Rome uh, tearing down all of the temple itself and crashing down the walls. There's still uh, so much of the second temple walls that uh, Herod built, the retaining walls around that are still there today. As a matter of fact, the western wall, the western retaining wall is world famous because it is called the Wailing Wall because that's where the Jews, that's the only part of the western wall, uh, the retaining wall of the temple that was still intact after the casting out of the Jews in centuries past. But what I want to do is just to help you to understand something of the significance of it. And I want to start out with a passage of scripture from Psalm 125. The scripture says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. As you know, this is one of the songs of ascents uh, as they made Aliyah to the great feast and festivals on their way to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem because anywhere you come from Israel, you have to go up physically, literally. And also it is the spiritual high place in the Bible. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. And verse two is the part I want you to listen to closely today. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, when you are in Jerusalem and you're standing on Temple Mount and Mount Zion just below it, David's city, you just see how much that is true geographically, literally, physically, because um, the mountains, the surround Jerusalem. For instance, the Temple Mount is 2,400 feet above sea level. The Mount of Olives to the east of it, that literally uh, lines the entire area of the eastern side of the Temple Mount of Mount Moriah is 2,700 feet above sea level. So it's 300 feet higher. The western hill is much higher. The northern end is the only part. It's higher, but it is not as distinct as would be the layout of the east and the west. And then to the south is the high mountains. Many of you have been on that southern mountain where I point out that that's where Abraham would have first looked with Isaac and said to his servants, the boy and I are going to go there and would have pointed, no doubt, to Mount Moriah, surrounded by those mountains. He would have pointed to Jerusalem and said, that's where we're going. But the boy and I will come back, showing his faith that According to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, that if indeed he had had to take the life of his son, that God would raise him from the dead. And so that's the kind of trust and faith that Abraham had in the Lord. And so the mountains are all around. The Mount of Olives is a three-peaked ridge uh, to the east. And again, 2,700 feet above the level of the Mediterranean. And uh, the northernmost peak is called Mount Scopus. Now, that would have been the outskirts of the city of uh, David during the days of David and Solomon because it was the last peak where you could still see Mount Moriah. And so that was the northernmost peak. It's called Mount Scopus because in 
70 AD when Vespasian and then his son Titus were destroying the temple area and had laid siege to the city. A Jewish man by the name of Josephus Flavius sat on that mountain and recorded the burning of the temple and the ransacking of the city. And ever since that time, that mountain, that northernmost part of that ridge called Mount of Olives has been called Mount Scopus because the word skopos in the Greek language means to look or to see in the sense of observing something. And so that's where he looked and saw and observed the burning of the temple. And so it's been called Mount Scopus to this very day from 2000 years ago. The middle hill is called the hill of ointment, Mount Ointment. And that is where the olive trees would have grown that uh, would have produced the olives that would have been burned in the temple. And it was a kosher system that they developed this olive oil. You'll recall me talking about Hanukkah. It took a week to develop that with all the spices and so forth that went into it. It was a certain recipe that would burn in the great menorah and that was used in the temple in general. And so that was the center hill. And then the southernmost hill was the hill that is usually referred to as Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives, New York, New York. It was the hill that was most traveled because it was the route from the Temple Mount and from the northern end and southern end that would have crossed the Kidron Valley, would have gone up what we call the Palm Sunday Path today, and would have uh, crossed over the crest of the Mount of Olives, and on the backside, on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives, not the side facing the temple, were a couple of villages, one of which was called Bethany, and that's where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived, and that is where Jesus spent much of his time and would have come that route when they laid the palm branches before him while he was riding on the donkey and made his way into Jerusalem in what we call the triumphal entry the week before he would have been raised from the dead. And so that's the picture, but it is of mountains surrounding uh, Jerusalem. And that's important because uh, Sion, Zion, Zion, as we call it in English, is the uh, word for a stronghold. And that's indeed what Jerusalem was. And it was just almost impenetrable. And as you know, David and his mighty men could not get in except through the water tunnel, which was a mighty feat to do. But Joab climbed up through that and conquered the city and it became the city of David. But on to the north of the city of David is this plateau that was the threshing floor of Ornan, Aruna, the Jebusite. And that's where the first temple was built, where it was destroyed, where the second temple was built. And then Herod expanded that temple to the north, to the west, to the east, and especially to the south, down toward what would have been the city of David then. And many of you have uh, sat with me on the southern steps as I have taught about Pentecost because that is where Peter would have preached his great message. That is at uh, Pentecost. That's where Jesus would have taught because it was the rabbinical uh, teaching steps. And as you know, many of those steps, you have sat on those and those are places where we know Jesus would have been, where the apostles would have been, where 3,000 people would have been baptized on Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, 
what the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 calls Pentecost. And so that's all the time we have. I start talking about this stuff and time gets away, but I've already been going over 12 minutes. And so in podcast 79, I want to take this and help you with the geography and the layout of the second temple during the days of Jesus, because I know you're interested in that as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.